thank you yet again, both and church. And let me just say it has been a, a wonderful, wonderful week. And I just thank God for, for the spirit that has been here all week, for your kindness and kind comments. And all glory to God. It has nothing to do with me. I'm just a vessel that you've uh, made me and my family and our friends feel extremely welcome here. And we just thank you for that. Uh, not everywhere you go, you get that. But uh, I thank you out of the sincerity of my heart tonight. Just thank you so much. We're going to be in First Thessalonians tonight, chapter 1. And tonight, the message is going to be the church that made a sound. The church that made a sound. And it's just um, it's kind of a recap, really, in... In part, we've talked about so many things this week, but when we began the revival series on Sunday night, I said I had one overarching thought in mind as I approached these messages. And that was difference maker or simply indifferent. Now the hard part is that Revival stirs the soul, at least we hope it does. It, it stirs up the Holy Spirit that was it, within us as we're fed on the Word, as we meditate on the Word, as we worship together, as we invite the Spirit um, to just work in our lives and reveal things to us that, that we need to do and things we need to repent of. Well then, when we get to 1 Thessalonians tonight, we're, we're looking at a church that was making an impact. And, and that's what we all want to do. I mean, if we're children of God, we should have a desire in us to make a difference, to make an impact in, in the world around us. And that's exactly what this church at Thessalonica was doing. They were making an impact. They were making a sound. And so tonight, we're going to look at this church and just very simply walk through a few of the things in this church. And, and I just pray tonight. Uh, I've, I've prayed my heart overflowed last night. I mean, I could not sleep um, until late last night. I got up early and I was just thanking God. I said, God, you've done so much already this week. And, and tonight, God, I'm, I'm just preaching out of overflow. And I, I don't know what God wants to do tonight, but I just pray that whatever he does, he... He, he does it here in this place and everywhere else where people were gathered in His name. But let's, let's read. It's only ten verses in chapter 1. So let's read through those and, and then we'll dive in. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and of our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy 
of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus Christ, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, God, so much for what you've already done all week. And God, I just pray tonight we don't do anything to quench the Spirit. God, I I pray and invite your Spirit into this place tonight. And God, I'm just mindful tonight, God, of your goodness, your faithfulness, God, your love for us. And and God, just uh, how you had just orchestrated everything perfectly all week, exactly what you wanted to accomplish. And God, we pray tonight, God, if there's a soul here that's unsaved, We pray tonight is the night of salvation for them. God, if there's a soul here that's struggling tonight, maybe tonight is the night of strength and encouragement for them. God, if there's one that is just struggling in faith, maybe this is the word for them tonight, Father. And I pray that you speak unto that heart. And God, tonight I'm mindful of a dear brother of mine that is filling the pulpit tonight for me in my absence. And God, he's he's a bundle of nerves, I'm sure, because it's his second time in the pulpit. But God, I pray for him tonight, and I pray that you would impart unto him the peace, God, that he needs from you. God, fill him with your spirit. God, may may the words and the anointing flow from heaven, God, all over him. And God, may he just preach your word with power. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Talking about this church that we're looking at tonight, uh, Thessalonica. You know, it's, it's what you would say, for the most part, as a model church. You, you heard a lot of good things going on um, in this church. And in Paul's day, it was a church that there was a lot of Greeks there. Uh, there were a lot of Romans there, had a great Jewish population there. And it was one of the cities that there was a lot of things going on. And it's one of the few cities that have survived over to the New Testament era. And the name has changed several times, but it's still in existence today. But when Paul preached there, you know, there was an impact made. And as a result of what took place there, these people that at that day were suffering persecution, they stood firm in the faith. And and they began to proclaim God's Word, and they were living God's Word out. And that's what... We are called to do as followers of Jesus Christ, as disciples. We're to go into all the world and and to share the gospel and make disciples. But in Paul's day, you notice it said everywhere that Paul went that their faith was heard. It had been spread abroad. So people knew what was going on at Thessalonica at that time. So tonight, the very first things that I want to do is, is just tell you a little bit of background and then dive into the characteristics of the church. Well, why did Paul write, you know, this letter? Well, for one, he left pretty quickly. He had founded this church, um, and then he he got a call to go over into Macedonia. um, And Paul went there, and you can read about that over in Acts chapter 16. And then 
you know, when he went over into Macedonia, first in Philippi, and then he was persecuted there, and then he left there and went on to Thessalonica. But, but Paul, he had, he had left, and he wanted them to understand that he didn't leave them or abandon them, but, but he just wanted to reassure them and, and encourage them. So there was some encouragement there to his, his friends in the church and the new believers because he wanted them to understand that he wasn't deserting them. So when we look tonight, we're going to understand that he wanted to continue to instruct them and, and he knew that they were going through persecution. You saw that down in uh, verse 6, that there was much affliction going on at that time. So the church was, was going through a lot of persecutions at this time. But, you know, when, when that was taking place, the, the church was thriving. You know, which is remarkable in of itself because, you know what, you think persecution and you think that people would shut up. But it was just the opposite. They were persecuted and the power of God came forth. You know, which is remarkable, and that's what we pray today. You know, we have all the comforts, and the church is quiet. But yet there was persecution, and the Word of God abounded. So church, we need to make a sound. When we begin to think about, you know, this church, and what was taking place, let's look first at the characteristics that was going on. Paul says, first off in verse 3, he says, Remembering without ceasing your work. Of faith, The very first thing we see that it's a working church. It was active, it was functioning, it was, it was running, it was operational. Now I don't know about you, but, but I still believe in a working church. I believe that there's more to church than just coming and sitting on the pew and getting fed by whatever the preacher's got that week. I believe it carries out of the walls of the church. It carries over into our home life, it carries over into our work life, and everywhere else that we go. We all want to complain about the church, but what are we willing to do about it? The challenge this week was to be a difference maker or simply be indifferent. The choice is yours. I wrote a statement, and, and it's, it's not any theological statement like Bo writes. It's, it's simple and southern slang, and I'm sure if Bo gets me behind closed door, he's going to say, uh, brother, you did this wrong, and I need to correct this. But, but this is southern slang, so just bear with me. You'll never be any more committed to the gospel than you are convinced of its power to save lives and change lives and coupled with an understanding of the responsibility it demands from the life of the follower of Jesus Christ. Now you can dissect that any way you want to and write it in your own words, but, but two things. You're not going to be committed to the gospel if you don't believe in it. And if you don't believe in its power, you're not going to be an effective witness. Because Paul said, it is the power of God and the salvation. You've got to believe that it's true. You've got to believe in its power. And you've got to believe in the impact that it hears on those receiving it. Paul did, the church did, and they made a difference. And they worked. You know, that's what Paul said. You know, there, there was a work of faith that was taking place. You know, I don't know how many people we got in here tonight. But when I think about the early church, I think about, you know, Jesus just before he ascended back into heaven. You know, he told them to go back into Jerusalem and tarry and wait 
And all they had was a word. And they went and they gathered in an upper room. There was 120. And there they were in one accord and they prayed. And the Holy Ghost fell. I still believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. I still believe where people get together in one accord, one mindset, one heartbeat, with one common purpose, and that's to glorify Christ and serve Him, then things can happen. God will empower that. But what do we typically do? We get fed, we go out, and then we forget about church till the next week. But this was a working church, and it says that they were a work of faith. It was a faith-filled church. You know, Jesus, you know, when He told them to go and to wait in Jerusalem, they didn't really know what they were going and waiting for. But all they knew was that the Word of Jesus was true. And when I think about the words of Jesus being true, you know, His Word tells me to work, you know, while it's day, because the night cometh when no man can work. It also tells me that there's going to be a day of accountability when I'm going to stand before my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and I'm going to have to give an account for how passionate I was about Him and how I served Him and the integrity and the honesty and everything else that's required in the life of a believer. doesn't mean we're going to mess up or be perfect, I mean, because we are going to mess up from time to time. But our strive and our aim should always be to glorify Him. And to win lost souls for Jesus Christ. Now this was a church, they were, they were working and they were act, acting out in faith, believing simply on the Word of God. But then you see that it was a work of faith and labor of love. So you see two things. They were laboring. Now somewhere in American society today, we have a concept that we no longer need to labor. We have an entitlement mentality. And unfortunately, it's carried over into the church. I'm entitled to certain privileges because I'm a Christian. I'm entitled to comfort. I'm entitled to prosperity. I'm entitled to the good things. I'm entitled to a voice. The only thing I'm entitled to is the wrath of God apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. But as a believer, if I put my faith in Him, Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. He didn't promise a life of comfort or ease or complacency or entitlement. What He promised was a life of eternity in the presence of a holy God through the blood of Jesus Christ to rejoice with Him for eternity. But while we're on this side of heaven, we're called to work. And we're called to believe and we're called to follow after Christ with everything that we have. What do we know about a cross? When you pick up a cross, you don't look back. And you pick up a cross and it's not easy. And there's no going back. You know, the church should always be eternally focused. And we should always have the mindset that we want to carry as many people with us as we can possibly carry. Because these people understood, you see it in verse 10, they had been delivered from the wrath to come. You know, when we sing about great is our God and greatly to be praised, All of us should be rejoicing and thankful that we've been spared from the wrath of God. We talked about that last night. You know, you want to see the wrath of God? You envision the cross and an innocent man taking the torture that he took. 
You know, we show more passion about a ball game and other events in our society than we do about the one that died for us. I mean, really, we do. We can sit out in all kind of elements. We can scream and holler and jump up and down. And I love ball as good as anybody. We can be passionate. We can throw stuff at the umpire. We can holler at the players. We can tell the coach how dumb he is for the call he played. We can jump up and down. It don't matter if it's raining, snowing, it's thundering, it's lightning. We out there if it's our team. And then the preacher gets up. And it's a minute after 12 and they're having a conniption fit because they're ready to go eat fried chicken. I can be real. I'll clap. So, but it was a church that was loving. It was a church that was laboring. They were walking in faith and truth. I mean, this was a church that had it going on. And when I look at, you know, this church, I'm thinking about, Lord, what am I really doing? I mean, if we understand there's a wrath coming, what am I doing? You know, just a couple of weeks ago, the hurricane came up through North Carolina. You know, people were making preparations. People were doing everything to get the ones that they loved out of harm's way. But what do we do about the wrath that's coming? We don't do anything to get anybody out of harm's way. We just simply say, I got ours. I'm good. But I want to tell you, church, we're going to have to answer for that. We're going to give an account for what we did. I want to be found faithful. I want to be found that I spent time wisely. I want to make sure that I'm pleasing the one that I'm serving. But we need to make sure that we're doing it in love. You know, we get caught a lot of times being very critical because we don't like the way somebody praises or worships. Or a message that the preacher preaches or somebody doesn't dress or do the things that we do. But this was a loving church. The thing that's going to make people respond above everything else is the love of God. You know, we need to quit belittling people and running people down. And we need to show them the love of God. Tell them about the love of God. You preach the word of God to them, not in a condemning way, but in a loving way. It doesn't matter what their sin is. You've got plenty of your own. You deal with yours and you just let the love of God take care of them and you. You know, you take care of what's in your life. And you get your life right. And then you get over there and you extend some of that love and mercy and grace that you've been given. And it's amazing how a person can change and respond when we don't go on the attack with a vengeance. But we, we go on the attack with a love and a gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, but this was also a fearful church. If you move on in the text, it was a work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. There was a reverence for God. You know, 1 Peter 2.17 says, Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. You know, James 2.19 said even the demons believe and tremble. You know, there, there's a reverence for God that, that we need to have. You know, we like to put God in a little box and, and go to Him and, and just think about, you know, something we want Him to be. But He's a God that we should have a reverence for, a passion for, a hunger for, understanding the power and the holiness of God. You know, Luke said in Luke 12, 5, 
He said, but I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. He is the one that we should hold a great reverence for. Honor him and praise him and worship him in the manner that he should be praised. That's what his church was doing. But it says in verse 4, it says, Knowing there was an assurance that they knew what they had been called to do. They knew that they were servants. We talked about Paul this week already. You know, I said one night, I don't remember what night it was, I said, define your relationship with Christ. You need to define it. What is it? Is he just my buddy, my pal, or is he my Lord? Well, if he's my Lord, I'm the servant. And that means I take the orders from above. I do what he commands me to do. And this church, they knew that. They knew what their call was. They knew they were created by God and for God. How many people today do we hear, well, I just can't figure out what the Lord wants me to do. And they spend 25 years saying that exact same thing. Do something. Just share the gospel. Start somewhere. God can do a whole lot more with a moving car than He can one that's parked. But that's where we need to go. You know, when I, when I first spoke, and it's, this is nothing about me, but when I first spoke, I didn't want to speak. I still have a hard time coming to terms that I'm behind a pulpit. But I said, God, I want to serve you. And God, I'm not calling anybody and asking to do anything, but if you open the door, I'll, I'll do my best, God, to go. And that's been, I don't know, four or five years ago, and the phone hadn't stopped ringing yet. And I thank God for that because it's Him, not me. It's through His power. It's through His Spirit. It's it's through the praise to Him, not to me. But this was a church. They were a knowing church and they were a following church. It says, knowing in verse 4, Brethren, beloved, your election of God for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. They were following the example that had been laid before them. You see in verse 6 it says, And you became followers of us. They knew what Paul had imparted into their lives. And that was the gospel. That was the good news. And so now they were following Paul. They were following those apostles as they followed Christ. And then they received the word. And they were a joyful church even in the midst of persecution. Because you see, it says in verse 6, there was much affliction, but yet they were joyful. You know, we need to get joy in our lives. I talked about it the other night. You know, you've got to have Christ in your life if you're going to have true joy. And this church, they had Christ, and even though they were being persecuted, they were joyful. But they were a Holy Ghost-filled church. People today seem to be scared of the Holy Ghost, like it's some foreign person that they don't want any part of. I'm good with God the Father and I'm good with God the Son, but I'm not too sure about the Holy Ghost moving. Let me tell you, we need to pray for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to move us because we can't move ourselves, not in a way that will please Christ. But when you're empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit, great things can be accomplished. And when the Holy Spirit imparts you, it's going to lead you on the path that God has for you. When you sin, it's going to convict you. When you're getting out of the right alignment with God, it's going to steer you back in. When you need to move to witness to a soul, it's going to move you to witness to a soul. But this was a church that was filled 
with the Holy Ghost. And they were a church that were, was a boisterous church. You notice in verse 8 it says, for, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord. They were a church that was making a sound. And they were an influential church. And they were a changed church. And they were also a surrendered church. You know, that's just a few of the characteristics of this church. When you think about Cedar Street Baptist Church, what are the, the characteristics of this church? Think about what you're doing. Think about what your motivation is. Think about what you're active in. And then decide, what am I doing? Am I really a difference maker? Or am I just being indifferent? So now, very quickly, look in verse 5. And I want to talk about the components that change the church. When you look in verse 5, it says, For our gospel, the good news, came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you knew what manner of men we were among you for your sake. There was three components that were taking place. One was the Word of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only. What does the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 say? For the Word of God is quick. It's a living Word. It's an alive Word that's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing under of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's a living word that pierces. So the first thing that empowered this church was the word of God. You need to be thankful for a pastor that preaches and teaches the truth of the word of God. And if it cuts, you let it cut. And if it pierces, you rejoice that it's pierced your soul. But you also see this was a church that was receiving not only the word of God, but also power. Romans 1, 16, you know, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul knew it was the power of God that, that he was carrying with him from place to place. And that's what this church knew, that they knew they had received good news. They knew that that, that word, that power had changed their life. It changed the church's life. And now they were making a difference. But also this church received, it says, the Holy Ghost. It says, and in the Holy Ghost. You know, when you look at the day of Pentecost, and you think about Peter preaching, you know, that message, and thousands of souls were saved. Was it Peter that made the difference? Absolutely not. It was the Holy Ghost. It was the Word of God that, that he was preaching and proclaiming, and the Holy Ghost touched the lives and the souls of men. Somewhere along the way, we have lost our focus. The truth of the Word of God and its power. Church, if you don't believe in the power of the Word of God, and if you don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, you're never going to be very effective in your witness. If you're insecure in that, I ask you to do a couple of things. One, you begin to pray. You begin to pray that God would impart unto you the truth of His Word. And then you also pray that God would impart unto you the power to walk in the fullness of that power 
to do what He calls you to do. Because God's Word is a living Word. His Spirit is a living Spirit. And it has the power to change lives. It has the power to change situations. And the church needs to get back to a place where we believe it. And we receive it. And we act in it. And we walk in it. And we trust in it. You know, the battle, we're engaged as people. The victory's already won. But God gives us the equipping to face the battles that we face each day. You carry the power in you. Peter was a man. He failed. He repented. He got up. God restored his ministry. And he went forth and he preached with power. And people took notice. And I want to tell you, if you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit today, the world's going to take notice. Because they're going to know that something is different about you. And then you think about, you know, the power that it carried. You think about this word, it says it went forth. And in much assurance, they knew what manner of men that we were among you. You know, when I thought about that much assurance, you know, the people of Thessalonica, they heard and saw something in Paul and those that were with them that was genuine and different and powerful, and that it held promise and hope. You know, that's exactly what we've got. We've got a hope that the world doesn't know much about. You know, the non-believers don't know anything about the hope that we carry in us. And we're living in a world that is desperate. We're living in a world that is looking for something because they've gone astray. There's chaotic stuff going on all over the world. But we carry the best news in the world. And we need to share it. You know, but this was a church also, I'm going back to verse 9 now. It was a church that was surrendered to service. You know, it says, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Notice there was a turning from something and a turning unto something. They turned to God from idols. Anything that you love more than God is an idol. And it can be anything. It can be ball. It can be dance. It can be a job. It can be golf. It can be whatever you want it to be. But I can tell you this. If you love it more than it, you love God, it's an idol. But this church turned from something to something. When they turned from idols, they went back to loving God in the right way. The church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation, you go and read it. They left their first love. We need to get back to the first love of Jesus Christ. When we give Him the throne, we put Him on the throne, reverence Him. He's on the throne. But when we reverence Him in the right way, and we honor Him, and we love Him, and we seek Him, things will happen. And that's what was taking place. C.S. Lewis said, If you read history, the Christians who did the most for the present world were the ones who thought the most about the next world. He went on to say that when Christians cease to think of the other world, they become effective in this one. Which world are you thinking the most about? This was a church that was surrendered. And finally, this was a church that they shared what they received. And it says in verse 10, And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus Christ, which delivered us from the wrath to come. They were sharing 
what they received. You know, we've had great revival services this week. But if all we do is listen to the messages that's been preached, and then we don't carry it out the doors and do anything with it, it's really not revival. Revival is determined in the days and weeks and months ahead. What did you do with what you heard? Did you take it in and let it make a difference in your life? If you believed what was preached, then you'll do something with it. You know, a lot of people, they hear it, but then they soon forget it. These people at Thessalonica, they heard the word and it changed their life. They surrendered everything that they had for the cause of Christ. You know, my prayer is tonight, above everything else, that you love Christ, that you love Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then you take everything that you've heard this week and you go out into the highways and the byways and you begin to share You just tell people what Christ has done for you. You share the gospel. You share the personal testimonies. And you leave the results up to God. Because when you go back and you read Acts, the day of Pentecost, the Lord is the one that was adding to the church daily. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't the other disciples. They were just doing what the Lord empowered them to do. But it was the Lord that was doing the adding. Don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about the results. God's keeping count. God's seeing what you're doing. You just leave the results up to Him. You preach His Word and it's truth. And you just be a committed follower. I want to say tonight, I'm out of time as always, but I just want to say, I have loved this week. And if you don't think God's hand has been upon this place and this revival service this week, then you've missed it. Because I can sense the presence of God all week. And I thank God for that. And I just pray tonight above everything else that that you really take these words and you meditate on them and, and you begin to pray and you ask God, God, am I really a difference maker or have I just become indifferent? My prayer is that we become difference makers. All of us together as believers. We're all one body. Whether it's Cedar Street, whether it's Nunez, whether it's First Baptist, First Methodist, Church of God, whatever it may be, we're all the body of Christ. If one's hurting, we need to be helping. If one's struggling, we need to be praying. If one's falling down, we need to pick them up. Churches, we've been divided long enough. We need to begin to love one another. But above everything else, love Christ. If you love Christ right, you'll get everything else right. I'm going to just pray, Jody, if y'all want to come and for invitation time. And then, Bo, I'll just turn it back over to you, brother. Let's bow together in prayer. God, I, I thank you tonight for your word and its truth. And, God, I pray that this would be a church that made a sound. God, that we would be surrendered. We would be committed. God, we would be given to the word of God. We would study it. We would learn it. God, we would be passionate about it. God, we would just take it in, meditate on it day and night, and and then, God, we would go forth. God, just as I said that first night, God, the gospel was 
never intended to be internalized. God, it was intended to be external, to go forth, to make a difference in the lives and souls of men and women, boys and girls. And God, I pray that this church and all of our churches, God, work together to carry forth your word and God, and go and share the love of God into all this world. God, bless this church. Bless everybody who is a part of it. God, give them clear direction and guidance. God, empower them to do what you want them to do. God, I just love you tonight. I pray above everything else this week, God, that your name has been high and lifted up. God, that you have been exalted. Your name above every name. And God, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory, God, for everything that has taken place here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.